Hi, I'm Brad Constantine, and this is a Come Follow Me podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official podcast of the church, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. This year's study is the Book of Mormon. Each week, a new summary podcast of that week's Book of Mormon chapters will be released. But if you want a more detailed analysis of each individual chapter, those will also be available to listen to. I hope this Come Follow Me resource will be helpful to you. As always, you can subscribe to this podcast so you'll be notified each week of a new episode. I hope you like this uh, format. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to this Come Follow Me podcast of the Book of Mormon. This is going to be for lesson number 47. It'll cover Moroni chapters 1 through 6, and it will be for the period November 30th through December 6th. So in this final book, uh, written by Moroni, um, after his father's death, and sometime between 15 to 35 years after the Battle of Ekamora. Um, so let me just give you kind of a, a brief uh, overview of, of what we're going to be reading. As Moroni is pondering about what he could add to the records that would be f of further value to those who would one day receive his writings, and especially, as he said, to his brethren, the Lamanites, the writings in the Book of Mormon serve almost like an appendix to the Book of Mormon. Moroni included in it some items of practical instruction, a sermon with some epistles from his father, and his own final powerful testimony and farewell. We do not know how he then finished his sojourn on earth, but we know from subsequent events in the earliest days of this last dispensation of the gospel that he did indeed triumph as he predicted. And that was uh, by Millet and McConkie. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland said, what Moroni first recorded in the book carrying his own name were vignettes, a brief catalog, if you will, of things he felt needed to be recorded before he died and the Book of Mormon saga ended. These included the words of Christ to his twelve disciples when they were commissioned to bestow the Holy Ghost by the laying out of hands, the prayer by which priests and teachers were ordained, the sacramental prayers and instructions as to how those who were baptized were to be received into the Church of Christ and numbered among the people of Christ. And so uh, let's go through this. this is sort of like an appendix to the Book of Mormon, almost like a part of a priesthood handbook uh, to give us some instructions on a few things. So uh, let's go ahead and read some of this here. Verse 1, I, Moroni, having made an end of abridging the record of the people of Jared, I had supposed not to have written more, but I have not as yet perished, and I make myself not known unto the Lamanites, lest they should destroy me. So he's trying to still hide from the Nephi, or from the Lamanites, who's trying to kill all the Nephites still. Uh, and it says that they will kill all those that uh, will not deny the Christ, and he will not do that. So he's, he's uh, trying to stay away from them so that they don't kill him. He says in verse 4, Wherefore I write a few more things contrary to that which I had supposed, for I had supposed not to have written any more. So it sounds like these things are pretty important that he includes. Uh, and he's, he says, I'm writing this to the Lamanites uh, in some future day according to the will of the Lord. So it's not uh, for his own benefit, but rather um, for us in our day. Um, also, Moroni tells us that he had not previously planned to write more on the plates after completing his abridgment. Perhaps as he wandered and hid from the Lamanites who sought his destruction, additional thoughts came to his mind that impressed him to add a few more items to the record. Certainly, he did not view these additions as, some, as nothing more than fillers. Recording things on the plates was not an easy or convenient thing, and it required considerable effort and time. Thus, we must assume that Moroni felt strongly that the things he was now to include were of special significance, particularly to his brethren the Lamanites of the last days. So, verse 2 then, or chapter 2 then, talks about... Um, the Nephite 12 and the power that they were given, it mentions that it does mention the word um, disciples in verse 1. 
but Joseph Fielding Smith said that while in every instance uh, the Nephite Twelve were spoken of as disciples, the fact remains that they had been endowed with divine authority to be special witnesses for Christ among their own people. Therefore, they were virtually apostles to the Nephite race, although their jurisdiction was as revealed to Nephi, eventually to be subject to the authority and jurisdiction of Peter and the Twelve chosen in Palestine. So they were, they were apostles, uh, just like uh, we have apostles today. Uh, he says in verse 2, he called them by name, saying, He shall call on the Father. And so he's ordaining them and giving them power to give the Holy Ghost to others. Um, and uh, it says in verse 3 that uh, that as they would bestow this upon the, the multitude, on many as they laid hands fell the Holy Ghost. And so the gift of the Holy Ghost was given to the people there. Uh, chapter 3 is a method on how um, ordinations to the priesthood would occur. Uh, the wording that was that was used uh, in verse 3, it says, uh, I ordain you to be a priest, I, or I ordain you to be a teacher in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, and so we, we have some pretty specific wordings in our ordinations that we have today. And, uh, and so this was sort of a handbook for them. And this is, the, uh, this is what prompted Joseph and Oliver in writing section 20 of the Doctrine and Covenants, which outlines uh, the method in which... Uh, priesthood ordinations are, are occur in our day and baptisms and so on um, all right let's go then down to chapter four this is the sacramental prayer on the bread uh, we know that uh, that this was a prayer that was offered um, among the Nephites which made me think that it was probably given by Jesus when he appeared to the Nephite Nephites uh, when he visited them and uh, but Moroni is now including it here uh, during the resurrected Savior's ministry among the Nephites, he introduced to them the ordinance of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper and taught them the significance of it. And, the, and in these chapters, Moroni is illuminating this doctrine and ordinance, not by further doctrinal teaching of the symbolism or its significance, but rather by demonstrating that it was a formal ordinance that was practiced in the Nephite church. Moroni gives us the exact words of the prescribed prayer that must be offered as, as a part of this essential ordinance. Because the sacrament is not merely a ritual of remembrance, but is in very deed a solemn covenant. The specific words and phrases of the sacramental prayer are a critical part of that covenant. Perhaps Moroni realized that in his father's abridgment, the doctrine of the sacrament was taught and discussed, but the words of the covenantal prayers had not been included, and that they should be in order that the latter-day reader of the Book of Mormon would better understand the significant covenants and blessings associated with the sacrament. And so it mentions in verse 2 that, that they would kneel down. Uh, they did kneel down with the church. Um, it used to be a practice early in the uh, dispensation that all members of the church knelt during the sacramental prayers, but then they changed that uh, so that only the priest does that now as they, as they say the prayer. Uh, and so the prayer starts out with, O God, the Eternal Father, we ask thee in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, to bless and sanctify this bread to the souls of all those who partake of it, that they may eat in remembrance of the body of thy Son and witness. It is clear from the Book of Mormon usage of the term witness and the sacrament. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, let me start over. It is clear from the Book of Mormon usage of the verb to witness as it relates to baptism and the sacrament that it means to enter into a solemn covenant. Another way this phrase could read is, and covenant with thee, only when we understand that as we witness we are covenanting with the Father to do certain things does the ordinance of the sacrament truly become a, a renewal of our previous covenants taken at baptism. And that's by Millet and McConkie. 
So we are witnessing here of our baptism and partaking of the sacrament that we are actually in a covenant. And so that's what this is about. We're making this solemn covenant with God. Uh, continuing the, the prayer, unto thee, O God, the eternal Father, that they are willing to take upon them the name of thy Son. And notice it's not that we are taking upon, but they are that we are willing to do so. So we still have a ways to go, maybe. Uh, but in our progress here, we are at least in the process of, of taking upon ourselves his name. <clears throat> and then continuing the prayer and always remember him when we covenant to always remember him we are not only committing ourselves to reflect and ponder upon the mission and teachings of the Lord but also are binding ourselves to follow the teachings of the master and to seek diligently to walk in his footsteps to live our lives and to treat our fellow man as we remember the Savior to have done Elder Oaks declared that if we are to remember Jesus, we must also follow him. He cited several specific ways by which we demonstrate our remembrance of the Savior. He calls us to take time from our daily activities to follow him and serve our fellow man. Even the greatest among us should be the servant of all. Those who always remember him will straightway assume and faithfully fulfill the responsibilities to which they are called by his servants. If we always remember our Savior, we will forgive and forget grievances against those who have wronged us. As we always remember him, we should strive to assure that we and our family members, and, and indeed all the sons and daughters of God everywhere, follow our Savior into the waters of baptism. This reminds each of us of our duties to proclaim the gospel, perfect the saints, and redeem the dead. We should always remember how the Savior taught us to love and to do good to one another. Loving and serving one another can solve so many problems. And that was by Millet McConkie. Continuing the prayer, and keep his commandments which he hath given them that they may always have his spirit to be with them. One's faithfulness to the covenants made in baptism and renewed with worthy partaking of the sacrament binds the Lord to his part of the covenant. He has, he has promised that we may have the influence of the Holy Ghost as a constant companion. There are many significant spiritual fruits that come to us as the Lord fulfills this promise to us. The Holy Ghost is a sanctifier, and as a result, we are forgiven of our sins and cleansed by the Holy Spirit through worthy partaking of the sacrament. If we have done wrong, if there is a feeling in our souls that we would like to be forgiven, then the method to obtain forgiveness is not through rebaptism. It is not to make confession to man, but it is to repent of our sins, to go to those against whom we have sinned or transgressed and obtain their forgiveness, and then repair to the sacrament table where, if we have sincerely repented and put ourselves in proper condition, we shall be forgiven, and spiritual healing will come to our souls. It will really enter into our being. One of the general authorities also mentioned that one of the greatest miracles that we can have is to be forgiven of our sins. In addition to the cleansing from sin and the spiritual healing that comes by the Holy Ghost, having the Spirit with us yields other great blessings. If we are true to our covenants, the Spirit helps us to speak with power, brings things to our remembrance, gives us peace and joy, teaches and testifies of eternal truths, opens up revelations to our minds, shows us all things that we should do, strengthens body, mind, and spirit, comforts us in times of sorrow, unfolds to us the mysteries of the kingdom, and brings us many other spiritual blessings. Mortal minds cannot fully comprehend and words cannot fully explain what great things can come to us if we partake worthily of the sacrament and merit the Lord's promise to have his spirit with us always. And again, that was by Millet McConkie. Amen. Chapter 5 of Moroni is then the sacramental prayer for the wine. Uh, we know that that's been modified to be for water. 
And it goes, O God, the Eternal Father, we ask thee in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, to bless and sanctify this wine to the souls of all those who drink of it, that they may do it in remembrance of the blood of thy Son, which was shed for them, that they may witness unto thee, O God, the Eternal Father, that they do always remember him, that they may have his Spirit to be with them. Amen. Notice that the word willing is gone in this one, uh, and that we are to always remember him, and then we will always have his Spirit to be with us. I bear testimony that this is true. And uh, chapter 6, let me go into that one. Moroni chapter 6 is uh, again about uh, baptism. And it mentions that priests, teachers, and, and elders were baptized and, and uh, that they brought forth meat for repentance and were worthy. Uh, we need to keep in mind that we are baptized prior to receiving priesthood ordinations. Uh, so this may just be, be saying that the priests and elders and teachers were baptized and then they were ordained. Uh, that's the proper order of things. Uh, mentions in verse 3 that none were received into baptism, save they took upon them the name of Christ, having a determination to serve him to the end. And so as we teach investigators about the, uh, the message of the gospel, we make sure that they understand what they're getting into, that this is the lifelong commitment, and that they're to partake of uh, baptism as a, re as a covenant and a witness that they're going to obey Jesus Christ and his teachings. Down in verse 5, it mentions that the church met together often, uh, to fast and to pray and to speak one with another. Uh, they did meet together off to partake of bread and wine in remembrance of the Lord. So the sacrament meetings were held frequently, at least probably every week like we do. Uh, and then in verse 9, their meetings were conducted by the church after the manner of the workings of the Spirit and by the power of the Holy Ghost. For as the, as the power of the Holy Ghost led them, whether to preach or to exhort or to pray or to supplicate or to sing, even so it was done. And so we, we, are, we know that uh, those that preside and conduct our church meetings are being led by the Holy Ghost. And uh, that's, the, that's the commission that they have is to make sure that that's the case. And so I bear testimony that these things are true and say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time.